I would have done if she would have said no. Like, this ain't what I signed up for. And to this day, I, I know a lot of women would have said no. I wouldn't have blamed you. I would completely understood because, you know, we're taking it, especially how rocky our relationship was, we're taking a plunge and taking a chance. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, our niece and nephew are coming. Hello, and welcome to the Healing and Dealing podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Healing and Dealing. I'm so excited today. I am introducing my husband, Henry, to all of you. He is an amazing man, which I already told you on the first episode. I am so grateful that he's agreed to be a part of my podcast and share his perspective with all of you because he he really has an amazing way of looking at life and he's been through so much. He's been through a lot of trauma himself, which we will get into later down the line. But today I really just wanted to kind of give you an idea of who he is, our story together, um, how our families came together to blend and really just have, you know, an idea of who he is. So when he pops on in the future, you're going to know exactly who my husband is. So Henry, say hi to everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. My <laughs> wife, it's weird calling Charlotte. I hardly call her Charlotte. Uh, I think only when I'm mad. But anyways, so I was born and raised here in San Diego, California, lived all over San Diego, probably every neighborhood in San Diego close to it. My family grew up, my mother grew up in uh, Linda Vista. I was always in and out of Linda Vista at my grandmother's house. I have a younger brother, four years younger than me. We were raised by a single mother, my mother, Teresa, a very strong-willed, strong-minded woman, independent, into a point. Probably about the time I was 12 years old, she had a, she had a nervous breakdown. Prior to that, my mother, watching her raise us and, and learning from an independent woman, she taught me, me and my brother, many things, uh, like all my ethics, all my morals, a lot of the things I view in life and uh, still hold to this day that we teach our kids, you know, mm -hmm. that I, I try to, you know, put into our kids' every day's lives, you know, like s simple things that... Like when you walk with a woman, you walk on the street side, you know, holding doors for, you know, your elders. One of the big things, you know, we used to take a lot of buses. My mom didn't always have vehicles. And, you know, anytime there was an elderly or, you know, person on the bus or um, a woman, you sat up and you offered your seat. You know, those were a lot of the the morals that my mom, you know, handed down to us. And, you know, my brother's the same way when it comes to that aspect. And, you know, me and my brother were night and day, but there's, you know, in our personalities, but I could tell you he's the same way in that manner. And it has a lot to do with my mother. Fast forward at 12, my mother had a, uh, when I was 12, she had a nervous breakdown. And that's kind of when, you know, things started changing for me and my brother. Because prior to that, my mother was very strict. We we're deathly afraid of her. 
She was all five foot tall and 195 pounds, but... No, 95 pounds, not 100. 195 <laughs> pounds, whoa. Yeah, she, yeah, she would have been big. She was tiny. She was very tiny, and we were deathly afraid of her. She'd pull out the hanger Oh, the yeah, for sure. <laughs> we, had, we had many whippings, and, you know, but it's funny because the thing I, we, we tell our, our kids is, like, when they push our limits now, it's like... You keep pushing, but you have to know when to, stop. when to stop. Me and my brother, we were smart enough and scared enough of my mother. We knew when to stop. Yeah. We knew when that boiling point was. I don't know if kids were smarter back then. I, I don't know. but <laughs> Our kids don't know. Our kids do not know that. During those times, you know, whatever my mom made, uh, we ate. You know, there was no pickiness, and it's just the way it was. There were different times back then. You know, shortly after a nervous breakdown, you know, I, I was young, and... Uh, she wasn't as strict. She was diagnosed as a manic depressive bipolar. And, you know, so that was uh, really challenging for, you know, our duo. Our, our, not our duo, but for me and my brother and my mom. Me and my brother were exposed to uh, a lot of stuff at a young age. And I, I'm sure it affected us. You know, I, at the time, we probably didn't realize it. You know, we are kids. You know, so shortly after that, you know, I started running the streets. And... The streets got a hold of me, and my mom wasn't as strict as she was. She wasn't able to. Where was your dad throughout all this? Uh, he, my dad was not around. My dad was not around. Um, he had a new wife, and, you know, that was that's what he did. Yeah. You know? That must have been really hard. And, and I honestly kind of think because of the way the route I started going, and then my brother followed that route shortly, you know, getting involved with gangs and being on the streets. I think he kind of, like, felt like it was time to disown us. Honestly, and I think he kind of just pushed back, you know, mm-hmm. you know, stayed back. And I don't, I don't think he really wanted to deal with it after a certain point. I ended up getting locked up, I think, right around 15. I never. I, well, first of all, I school was school. I never graduated eighth grade because I never getting locked up. I did close to five years. I got out when I was 20. I still stayed a knucklehead for a couple years, but I always knew that. Like, you know, you meet some people, especially when I was locked up, I met people that they knew and everyone around them knew that was their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of knew that wasn't. I, I knew that wasn't always going to be my lifestyle. And so I knew something inside of you. Yeah, that. I, I knew I always wanted kids, you know, and I knew that that was going to be something that was going to like kind of hold me back from staying in that life. Because, I mean, I, I could have easily stayed in. You know, but I knew having kids, once I had that kid, that first child, that it was going to change me. And I don't know if everyone thinks that way, you know, but I knew in in my heart it would. And it did. Once I had Nico, everything changed. And you were what, like 20? I was about 23 or 24. And then 21 months later, we had Cruz. And that was with my my first baby's mama. (laughs) That didn't work out. And uh, when when they were four and two, I ended up getting full custody of them. Yeah, and I've had custody of them since. You know, when I first got out of jail, I was 20 years old, and I went to a temp agency. And the first job they sent me to was a caulking and waterproofing company. And I stuck with that. I ended up getting employment from that employer full-time, left the temp agency, and I've been in that tr- in this trade since. Now I I own a business in that trade. That is something to be said. So you walked into a temp agency 
asking for a job, a temporary employment, and now, fast forward, what, how many years has it been? 25? 25. Now you own Mm -hmm. one of those companies. that. And mind you, that's from an eighth grade education. Um, Do not have a diploma. I don't even have a GED. I stuck with my trade. I, I learned everything I possibly could. I argued with every boss I had because I knew I knew more than them. Not always, but most of the time. I don't think I was ever meant to be someone's employee. It just took me a long time to realize that. I had opportunities to make the plunge as as a business owner a lot earlier in my 30s. And I was just always kind of hesitant and a little scared for money reasons or whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I just didn't take that lunge and... You know, that that's a regret that I have, you know, because it, it's not as hard as, as it may seem. You know? So it was more about, like, how hard you thought it was going to be, so you just didn't do it. Yes, yes. And now that you've gone through it, you're like, okay, this isn't that hard. It's mm-hmm. possible. So oh, it's, you, it's possible for so everyone. You, you turned the impossible into possible. Mm-hmm. And it, all it took was just having a little bit of faith and, like, just taking the jump and and really just... Not knowing what's going to happen, but you just go for it. Yep. You just go for it, man. And, you know, we, we've been in business. Uh, I have a partner, Edgar Martinez, Paco Morales, dear friend of mine. Uh, we've been in business uh, two and a half years now. We made that plunge and it was scary, but, you know, yeah. you know, construction trade, it, it's, a, it's a scary trade, you know, especially our trade. But, you know, just a lot, a lot of grind, a lot of hustle. Well, it's it speaks to the person that you are. You've made so many connections with people, and people just gravitate towards you. People love to talk to you. You can small talk with literally anyone. I can. Like, our kids have gone to so many different schools, like the richest school in San Diego, Cathedral Catholic, and here he is, this, you know, tatted-up Mexican guy, walks, you know, our kids are playing baseball or football. He can make friends with every single parent, every, every like, older, white, rich man that I thought would never talk to Henry, they're like best friends by the end of the season. They, I mean, this guy has a magical gift when it comes to people. It's it's really it's really beautiful for me to watch you do because I'm so not like that. <laughs> I'm definitely more of an introvert. I don't like small talk, really. It makes me uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. Hearing that, it's very true, but you also think of someone that just talks to everyone. That's not me, but when people do... I've been told I have an intimidating presence. So when people are, are willing to break that that barrier with me, they find that I'm very relatable. Yeah. I'm well-rounded in, in a lot of topics. Not an expert in, in any of them. But besides caulking and waterproofing. Besides caulking and waterproofing. <laughs> I like to educate myself in, in a lot of different areas. So I always find it just... Well, sport, especially sports. With any man you talk to, you can always relate to in sports. I mean, some guys don't watch sports, so what What do you pull on them? Well, then don't talk to me. No, I'm just joking. No, but... Uh, you can pull on history. Yeah, well, history, politics. Politics. Uh, politics ain't always the best one to talk about. I always I have my views, and just like anyone else has theirs. But I, with politics, I think I'm pretty neutral. Yeah. And I know when to end the conversation, you know, and not get too heated. But, yeah, and, and with sports... I know sports like the back to back of my hand, especially past sports. Present, I, I'm not as I, I don't know all the players now like I used to, um, just because we stay so busy. But you know, I just think if you find 
I just like to be relatable. You know how to find that I, in someone to yeah, relate to. And... You know, I'll find something. And, and I always think, and that and it helps in my business as well. You just, you find something to relate to, mm-hmm. you know. and, and it, That's it, actually like a strategy, it, just so you know. <laughs> I never knew that. I, I It just happens. Yeah, it's it's natural for you. So you had Nico and Cruz. You would live that single dad life for quite a few years. Their mom was out of the picture, so you Correct. were doing it. All on your own. Correct. Financially, emotionally, the whole nine yards, you were mom and dad for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And then I come into the picture. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, our, both of our worlds collided and a lot of things changed. Let's tell everyone how we met. Ooh. This is like my favorite story ever, you guys. He tells it so well, so maybe he'll tell you. Well, first I'll just start with my brother was living with me at the time. He had just got out of prison and or jail and he needed a place to live so he was living with me and i had recently broke up with my first husband which i kind of talked about in the first episode too and he was like charlotte i have this great guy for you and i'm like what like who is it and he was like oh i used to work with him he's got two kids he has his own truck he has his own place and i'm like all right cool like i want to meet him so and in the meantime i didn't know all this was going on so you can tell your perspective well, let's go back to when I first met Gabe. We were me and Gabe were working for a glazing company. And, uh, I was a single father. I I, I had uh, custody of my two boys, Nico and Cruz, and uh, we were both working for uh, some Pacific Glazing. A, a buddy of mine, Frank, he still owns that business. Anyways, and so me and Gabe would just talk a lot, and he would tell me about you know his past and his addictions, his family. He told me about his sister, and I remember she was married. And I was single at the time, and I remember joking around, but like, hook it up, man. And uh, he was like, ah, oh, she's married. And it, it's funny because I could still remember where I said that at. And it was an AMPM across the street from Bonita Library. I remember saying that. It, it's it's crazy. And to this day, me and Charlotte pass by that AMPM all the time. And I was like, that's the first time I ever heard your name was at that AMPM. And I joked with her brother, like, hook, hook me up. That was in, like, what, 2008 or 2006? I don't Probably. know. Probably. I don't know. You were still married, though. Anyways, years go by. And, and me and Gabe would have some, you know, back then we'd have some uh, pretty serious talks. And years go by, and I hadn't seen Gabe. And I was living in Al Cajon. I, co- I was coaching baseball at uh, Al Cajon Little League. I had to take a kid home. And I just hap- Gabe just happened to pull up next to me. And he was like, what are you doing? What's up, man? We exchanged numbers and he had called me. He goes, we're having a barbecue. And mind you, once again, I was single and I was like, are there going to be any females there? He's like, oh, yeah, there's, hey, it's a big party. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You know, and, and so that was probably like on a Wednesday. So Friday he calls me up and he goes, hey, are you going to shoot through? And I was like, once again, hey, because I'm a homebody. I, I, I like to stay home. If, it, you know, I'm not a big partier. So once again, I asked, is there any females there? Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, just come on through. Yeah, for sure. So I was like, all right, fine. I got ready. And I, I uh, headed to that location, the address that he had sent me. And as soon as I get there, he comes out and he was like, hey, just want you to know that my, only my sister's here. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to meet my sister. So it was all, it was all a ploy that, that, that yeah. he set up. You know, so instantly I was nervous as hell, (laughs) you know, because it's one thing to be like, hook me up with your sister. 
and joking around and, and you know in that manner but it's another thing for him to actually attempt to do it yeah and not tell me about it and uh so instantly i was he, nervous he baited you he baited me <laughs> he baited me and you know and and he's proud of his sister who told me how pretty she was and so i was whew, nervous and so we're we're downstairs from the apartment and i'm like what am i what did i just get into you know <laughs> We walk up, and sure enough, man, it was almost like Beyonce on stage with the concert, with the air blowing, air conditioning. I don't know if she had the air conditioning on or all the fans blowing on her, but when I walked in, her <laughs> hair was just like, everything was slow motion, like, oh and I, <laughs> that's how I remember it. And I walk in, and tall, beautiful, and I was stuck. I was kind of stuck, and that don't happen too often, me getting stuck. See, and I knew about the setup. I knew that when this guy comes to the door, this is the guy that my brother's trying to hook me up with, and the first thought I had was, "Why, man, he's short. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, let, let me defend myself. So normally I don't wear Vans or Chucks. That day, I didn't know she was that tall. That day I was wearing <laughs> Chucks. If I would have known... I wouldn't have wore Chucks. I would have wore maybe some Air Force Ones. Yeah. Give me at least an inch or two, you know, a little more. Just to clarify, I'm 5'7 and like three quarters and he's 5'7. So Yeah. It's it's funny. Like that was the first thing I thought of because after my divorce, I always said, Oh, the next guy I date's gonna be like six two. I'm gonna be able to wear high heels. Nope. <laughs> I was so excited, right? Nope. But then this guy comes in and I'm like, oh my gosh. Of course, like he had the style I was attracted to, he was really charming that night, super cool. And then the next morning, he texted me, and he said, "We, I mean, we were talking, and he told me he liked the freckle on my lip. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, who's, who says that, you know? And, and he said something about, like, my nose, like, being small and cute. And I was like, man, people, guys usually always, you know, compliment my eyes because I have, like, greenish-blue eyes. But he went for something different, and I... I don't know. I guess it was game, probably. He he ran some game on me, but it worked. So No game. Honestly, like, after the first day we met, we were inseparable. We hung out every single day after we met. It was like a magnet. So when I say we were inseparable, I mean it. Like, every single day we were calling and texting each other to hang out. I remember, like, I think it was the day after we met, was it? When we went to the park? Yes. Yeah, we went... We we took our kids to the park the day after we met. So, like, we were already ready to introduce our kids, which, like, now when I think about it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I would never do that. Not even close. I, I don't even think that's recommended by anybody <laughs> in the field of relationships it's, at all. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah. But you know what? I, I think sometimes when you feel it, you feel it, you know? Yeah. And uh, whether it's recommended or not, it worked out for us, and we never knew it would. But right. we were there. We were smutting. Smitten, baby. Smitten. Okay, that's something you're going to learn, too. Like Henry <laughs> always says the wrong word. I don't know if I'm sure you guys know what Craigslist is. He calls it Craigslist. There's it's like Craigslist. a bunch of other things that he just literally says the wrong word for all the time. One of his quirks. Quirks? No, I can't ah, even there talk. There you go. See, <laughs> so yeah, I rubbed off on her. Okay, so I have to say, like, a week into knowing you... I don't know if you remember this or not, but you told me your exact words were exactly, actually, I think I love you. 
And that was a week after meeting me, you guys. Like, this guy was sprung. <laughs> and have you ever done that with a girl before? We were drinking a lot. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Um, That's not a word I use strongly. I never did. I, I mean, I remember as a kid, teenager, girl saying I love you, and I refused to say it. You know, like, I, I like you too. You just weren't you know, that guy? No, nah, I've never been that guy to get what I want, to use that word lightly. And so what made you say it a weekend to knowing me? Uh, I guess it was that that freckle with the hair on it. What? <laughs> nah, just, her, her freckle don't, don't, doesn't have a hair. Oh, my God. You know what? Maybe it was game because I said your nose and, and freckles, but I think it was your eyes. I don't know. I, you know what? It's it's hard to explain when 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 you mesh with somebody and you just have a connection, it's there. I I, I remember holding her in bed and just thinking like, dang, this is this is nice, you know. This is this is what it's supposed to feel like, you know. Yeah, and I felt the same exact way. It was like a strong energy between us. But that kind of ended pretty quick when we started, like, going through our stuff. Like, yeah. actually, the energy never ended. Like, we we wanted to be together. The first two years of our relationship were, like, really rocky. We both, you know, kind of weren't ready for that serious relationship, but we still really wanted to be together. It was a crazy time, thinking back, because I was freshly out of a divorce and, you know, trying to find my way as a mom on her own. I mean, it was just like, I still had so much to heal. I still had so much to figure out for myself. But meanwhile, I was in love with you. I wanted to be with you, but I still had so much to to figure out for myself before I could really make that commitment. And it was a lot of like back and forth for us for two years straight. It was a lot of being together and then, oh, we're not ready. What What was that like for you? Like that Two years, like, what were you feeling? I just wasn't ready. I knew I loved you, and I knew we had a, a, a great connection, and when we were together, it was just amazing. But I, I wasn't ready. I was a single father, and I was playing the field at the same time. And... <laughs> You're, like, speechless <laughs> right now. It's so funny. Let but, me tell you my perspective. So, yeah, let, let's hear yours. So you were a single dad for, like, since they were two and four. Mm -hmm. And you had your own thing going, like, in your house. Everything was set your way. You dated when you wanted and who you wanted. There were, you know, you didn't have anything tying you down. So I feel like you really wanted that relationship, but at the same time, like, you just weren't ready. And... That is so relatable. Like how many people meet someone they really like and they want to be with, but it's just, it's divine timing, you know, and our timing just wasn't meant to happen then, like full on, like live together, be together, get married. And I feel like when it actually happened, which is like kind of crazy, like out of nowhere, I think my lease was up or something, or I had to move and you were like, you wanted to move to out of your aunt's house. And we were like, let's move in together. Like, that's a great idea. <laughs> Right? Remember? Yes. And <laughs> I'm telling you, that was... Nobody... Would recommend that. Would recommend that at all from either side of our friend groups, family. It was highly not recommended by anybody. I'm sure everyone she told told her she was crazy. Yeah. Everyone was like, you're moving in with him. Like, are you crazy? You're out of your mind. He's, you know, not the one. But I remember that... that there was some song. I think it was like Beyonce 
oh yeah, it was Beyonce, that one plus one song. And I would just listen to it and feel like he is the one, like, I don't care what anyone tells me. And I just literally went with my heart and my gut and my gut's always right. So when I have a strong, when I have a strong yes, I follow it. And that was even before I started diving into like my intuition and listening to it. But that's what guided me that whole time. It was, it was yes, this is a yes, move in with him. And like, like you said, like we, once we made that decision, it was, it was over like for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I remember when we decided to move in with each other, I specifically remember sitting with myself and talking to myself and saying, you know what, this, this is it. Once we make this commitment, this is it. You know, there is no, I'm not going to put my kids nor her or her child through any kind of situations where on my behalf, where we're going to be separated. You know, I'm not going to put any kind of outside relationships. Well, I won't allow those to affect. Uh, I, I just knew that I was going to be righteous and loyal, mm-hmm. you know, to our family. Like that's and, and you know, 13 years later, here we are. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember prior to, you know, to Charlotte or even prior to us moving in, you know, like a lot of men out there who were single or maybe just dating or even those that were cheaters. Your phone, especially back then, your phone was very private. It you, was private for me a lot of years. Yeah, you, uh, you know, it. or you'd pretend like oh, your phone died, whatever it may be. I remember moving in with Charlotte and having and, and you know, it took, a, it took a little time, a couple months. It took It took some time. I don't even know how long, but I remember... After that, not having that stress and like a weight lifted, like my phone, I have nothing to hide, you know, and that was such a pivotal moment for us. Like when we finally got to the point where we could trade phones Mm -hmm. without any worry. Yep. it was for me, it was a huge relief because I was always so worried about your phone. Like it was an issue Mm -hmm. for us for a long time. And so. When I would be like, oh, let me use your phone. I need to Google something. And you would just hand it over. I'm like. And you're sweating bullets. <laughs> but like that's trust, you know, mm-hmm. like to, to this day, we can trade phones with no hesitation. And the trust between us is like thick as thieves. It's I don't have any doubts. I, I hope you don't. No. Um, but that's one thing like I can really say about our relationship. That is amazing. Yeah. And you know what? It's weird because if you ask probably if you ask Charlotte, I don't even think it's really something we worked on. It kind of just happened. Yeah. You know, there was no counseling. There was no nothing. It just kind of happened. And I think we we were fortunate in that part of our relationship to where, you know, and regardless of the past, you know, Mm -hmm. and there were situations in the past, you know, you hear a lot of couples that that trust never never comes back back. and and with us it just it just happened it just happened over time and you know we're we're one of the fortunate ones that i don't think we we dwelled on it you know yeah i also think i made a conscious decision to not think about the past because when you get so wrapped up in what someone could be doing or or what they've done in the past they're going to do it again like that energy is going to come right back to you. And I remember just thinking, like, I'm not going to stress about this. If if we work, we're going to work. If we don't, we don't. And I knew I was going to do my part and be righteous and trustworthy and and good to you. And, and you gave it right back. So it just worked. Like, we got really lucky. 
Um, really lucky. And, and just think, mind you, just like she, she said, we moved in and no one suggested us moving in. I mean, there was just, it was probably the most stupidest decision we made as a couple. <laughs> But it became the best decision as a couple for both of us, it you know. Did, yeah. And I'm like, I'm telling you, no one would have recommended it. Nobody. Yeah. And so to throw a twist on there, like, I think it was like a month after we, we moved in together, his niece and nephew ended up going into the system. And I remember he came to me and told me, or I was there when we found out, but he came to me and told me, that he was going to get them and he was going to try to get custody of them. And my initial reaction was, let's do it. There was like no hesitation. I had one of those other gut feelings like it was a yes. It was a yes all the way. And I I just I didn't even think twice about it, which is crazy because I, I had one kid before this, uh, you know, a month prior and I I joined households with him and had three kids, and now we were going to get two more. So I went from one to five kids in a matter of months. And mind you, I was only 25 years old. <laughs> it was like such a huge life change for me. And I look back on that, and I'm like, wow, like, how did I do that? I was like superwoman back then, like just. Yeah. Well, the crazy part is, is I knew I was going to fight for my niece and nephew, like, and so when I told her, it almost wasn't a question. It was like, I'm going to get my niece and nephew. And she said, let's do it. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I, I didn't even think what, like, we had just moved in. I didn't even think what she, I would have done if she would have said no. Like, this, this ain't what I signed up for. And to this day, I, I know a lot of women would have said no. Like, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have blamed you, you know, mm -hmm. like, that would. I under, I would completely understand would have understood because, you know, we're taking it, especially how rocky our relationship was. We're taking a plunge and taking a chance. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, our niece and nephew are coming, mm -hmm. you know, like. Whew. Yeah, it was it was a huge life change. But I remember thinking like, oh, my God, I can make the best chore charts <laughs> <laughs> for everybody. It was like, I don't know. I just took it on, you know, head on and wanted to provide a house and a home for not only my son, but for yours and for your niece and nephew. And I just, I think I just have that, that heart, you know, that, that wants to help and be there for people that need it. Yeah. We spent a good chunk of years raising his niece and nephew along with our three kids and really just like riding the waves of blended family challenges. And we did a lot of therapy back then. We had a lot of, you know, advocates that would come to our house and work with us, especially through the foster care system. We really tried to work with all the resources we could back then to, to get them the help that they needed after having such, you know, traumatic childhood. And then also just help with us navigating this because it's been, it was, you know, we were brand new living together and then also blending our kids together and then adding two more. So there was a lot to learn. And that is also something I, I am excited to offer you guys is what we went through during those times and what we learned about attachment and, you know, creating a safe environment, not only physically, but mentally for them so they could trust us and know that we weren't going anywhere. You know, I felt that was like something that was really important to me. 
So our nephew moved out and then our niece moved out. And right before she moved out, we had Blue, our daughter. She's seven now and she's amazing. She's a boxer and she does flag football and she's just like everything I could possibly want in a daughter. I got it. So she's one of what, all five boys? I can't even keep count these days. Four boys. Four boys. And last but not least, we had little Sonny Boy. He's three. He's definitely our last one. We're not having any more children. Um, I will say before Blue, we had, we were trying to have a baby for a long time. We had multiple miscarriages and had an ectopic pregnancy. There was a lot of scares, a lot of grief and heartache and pain, a lot of healing that I've had to go through losing those, those babies that we're supposed to be ours, but you know, it's it's all about timing. And I'm I'm so grateful that Blue was the results, right? Yes. <laughs> it was she was worth waiting for. She was worth all the all the loss for sure. So now like our life literally has I mean, it always has since our boys were little, it just consists of sports. Like they all play sports year round, baseball, football. Um now our daughter's in sports. So I mean our life is is fast and hectic. I am in social work. You just opened your own business. So we're busy. And But adding this podcast is, yeah, it's going to make us busier, but it's also going to do so many amazing things for for everyone that's that listens. Every single person that comes on and listens to an episode, you're going to get something from it. Is there any last words you want to leave with the audience before we end? And of course, Henry's going to be back. He's going to join us for a lot of episodes. He's giving me the side eye right now. But I just can't wait for you guys to hear a man's perspective on trauma, a man's perspective on trying to navigate being a father when you didn't have a father figure. I mean, you know, when you didn't have anyone to look up to or or a model in your life, and then you just get thrown into fatherhood, there's a lot that comes along with that. And I know that you hold a lot in, and you're very good at keeping that strong persona. But you guys, deep down, he's he's emotional. <laughs> he's emotional, and he wants to heal. And that is the most beautiful part, having the willingness to grow, the willingness to heal. And I'm excited for where this journey is going to take him as well. I know everyone listening will get a beautiful message from him whenever he speaks. He has a great way of wording things and making things make sense. Very logical mind. Um, he definitely evens me out. We've had, we've both had our ups and downs with, you know, mental health, with depression, with anxiety. We're still navigating. We're still learning each other even after 13 years, right? For sure. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what marriage is about. That's what, you know, relationships are. And we've just chosen to to make this work no matter what. And we're still in love, which is, like, the craziest part. Like, I still am, like, very much in love with you and feel butterflies, like, if you've been gone and I miss you. So I feel like that's a plus. Okay. Anything else? No. Looking forward to it. Like Charlotte said, I look forward to bringing, you know, a, a man's perspective because, you know, we are supposed to be, you know, big, bad and tough all the time and, you know, hold down the family. But we got to learn how to navigate and deal with our own crap, you know, and most of us men have a lot of crap inside. And, you know, I, I'm one of the best at holding it in. And lots of times it doesn't come out. I, I, I bury that sh that stuff in, 
you know, it comes out in little waves. You know, I noticed as a man now, I'm a little more sensitive than I, than I used to be. And I think that has to do with all the stuff that I held in for so many years and still hold in, you know. Yeah. So look forward to it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Can't wait to have you back. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll definitely be back with Henry soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends, and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.